for June 2012. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices. An example is on Peter Parker Spider-Man number 156.1. To celebrate Spidey's 50th, Marvel is adding a number onto the original numbering of his classic series. This one is written by Roger Stern, so you know it's going to be good. The cover price is $2.99. Mail order has it for just a buck eighty-five, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Welcome back, gang. We joined the show where the gang is continuing to answer your message board questions. So on with the show. Iron Patriot from China. To Brad, have you started on your Batman trade reading project yet? No, unfortunately I have not. Haven't bought a bunch of back trades. If I did, the trade reading project I did recently, the last couple months, was The Walking Dead. I'm now up to issue 89 on that book. I'm freaking loving it. So I bought all the back trades of that. Batman, I actually this morning I read Batman number 8, which is the, uh, the starts at Al storyline which is really good where the owls come into Bruce's uh, mansion and try to take him and Alfred out. That was a really strong issue. Uh, Bertoni, what kind of supporting character would you like to see introduced? Someone Spidey could trust? A new best friend for Peter or whatever? That's a very good question, and that's why I'm not a writer. Like, <laughs> I can tell um, when I like something, like if I like the supporting character or not, but one thing that annoys me about new supporting characters being introduced is, you know, in... They're never carried over to the next writer, usually. There's a few exceptions, but, like, if you look at Spider-Man's world, you know, it's usually people that, unless they were created before the Conway run, you don't see them again after after the other writer, so I don't know. Uh, And plus, there's so many good supporting characters who have disappeared over the years that fill so many good roles that instead of creating a new supporting character, I'd say... Bring back one of the old ones in a non-contrived way and give them a purpose in Peter's life. Yeah. Same question to JR, but with villains. Would you like someone he could trust? A new best friend or whatever? Uh, <laughs> well, a villain would be someone he could trust. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, as I've kind of said, well, I mean, that's that's the real thing, the challenge of a, uh, of coming up with new villains after, you know, 50 years of coming up with villains who do everything besides, you know, uh, crass bodily functions as a power, um, but um, uh, no, actually, there's a vulture that pukes on people. Yeah, I, and there was an underground comic character years ago called the Turd. But uh, anyway, uh, and then the slug. Yeah, yeah. I've always said that I would think that Spider-Man should have more female villains. But I, the, what I'll add to it is female villains whose issues aren't tied into them being women. You know, I mean, because we've had a run of. You know, you know, no, no female villains who became villains, villains because they were raped by their boyfriend or abused by their husband or who, you know, lost a custody battle. 
a female villain who's just a villain because she likes being a villain. I mean, there are guy, there are guy, some guy bad villains are just bad because they're bad. And I would like to see, uh, you know, some female. We had, go ahead. We had Queen come back. Oh boy, this was all. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. That's that's no. I mean, I'd like to see like a you know villains who stay human and female instead of mutate into giant animals or you know something or or you know or, or what is it? I don't want to see that uh, fat pile of puke or that uh, fat old trout again. Uh, Good luck meeting a girl that fits that criteria, Jr. Well, Here's the problem yeah. when you pit men against women. Well, those are, those are Paul Jenkins's. Uh, 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 shi- that was pa- examples of Paul Jenkins' shining dialogue in that first Queen story. Uh, well, every every issue generally has a fight, and you don't want to see men smacking women around. <laughs> you know, that's the problem. I think the way he doesn't have that many female villains. Well, that's why yeah. she has been an adversary for decades. Sorry, sorry, yeah. Jr. Go ahead. Yeah. But that's why you give her superpowers, or you give her, you know, you give her a lot of technological gadgets. I mean, it can be done. You know, it's yeah. just, it's just they're too, you know, too, too many of them. You know, they, they're villains because it has to do with them being women. You know, and instead of just inventing a good, solid fe- bad guy who happens to be female. So, anyway. would you have liked? Uh... Uh, uh, Michelini doing his venom as a woman who lost her baby because of a Spider-Man fight. Well, that motivation is sure a hell of a lot better than Eddie Brock's. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll give you that. Uh, let's see, Spider-Girl, uh, which is Stella, aiming it at Josh. Do you think you you would ever audition for the role on Happily Divorced? If so, would it be a shipper romantic interest for Fran? Is this the Fran Drescher show she's referencing? Yes, this is the horrible Fran Drescher show that's completely right. and utterly trash TV. <laughs> but it's fun to watch because <laughs> it's so trashy. Uh, I don't think I have the body type to be a Fran Drescher romantic interest. In fact, knowing my luck, the producers would probably make me a romantic interest for Cesar or Peter on the show. <laughs> Oh, I'd, I'd have to be very, very quippy and do very, very bad dated dialogue also. <laughs> uh, Steve Rogers, New York City. Uh, congrats to Don on graduation. He's not here, but we've gr- patted him on the back several times. Zach, assuming Marvel picks up DC's lead with animated movies, could you see them pull off a Clone Saga animated movie? And if so, how would you want that movie to go in terms of stuff left in and whatnot? Well, I wouldn't bring up the uh, Gwen Stacy jackal 1970s clone saga i mean i would focus on just the 90s clone saga i wouldn't bring in the jackal at all really and have why well because he's the whole thing well you could you could have him like create the clones but then subsequently die because i mean really do you really want to does anybody really want to see maximum clones in animated form i don't okay (laughs) um so so, so leave leave out the jackal and just have Norman behind it. Yeah, I mean you could do that. Okay. Uh, I mean because I mean ultimately that's pretty much what it ended up being. Uh, having the 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 Ben Riley Kane, uh, you know, type thing. You you could you could alter Kane just enough to where he he has a hatred for both clones, and uh, where they have like a little bit of a relationship beforehand, and then. Boom! They he ends up hating each other, uh, but but yeah, I would I, I wouldn't mind seeing it and then have the Green Goblin show up at the end and you could probably have the reference to Gwen Stacy dying and, and Norman getting impaled at the beginning of the movie and then lead it in directly into the clone side. Okay, Chris, what are your thoughts on JMS's take on Doctor Strange and his Spidey run as well as his miniseries that spun out of it? 
I don't think it. They never did that, did they? I think JMS did do a Doctor Strange miniseries. It was an. It was like a year one. It was an origin yeah. book. But I think the thing that was supposed to spin out of Amazing Spider-Man, um, there was a scene where Doctor Strange tells Spider-Man because they're meeting, and he says he has to leave because he has an appointment, and Spider-Man's about to protest, but Doctor Strange clarifies that it's an appointment with death. And that, like, right. shuts Spider-Man up, and then the editor's caption sees, like, see Doctor Strange, whatever the title is. And then, exactly. and then that never got made, and right. that title became the title to One More Day Part 2, where they explain that Doctor Strange was actually had an appointment with Spider-Man, who had time-traveled. Um, what a mess. Yeah. So, but, but, <laughs> but, you know, overall, I thought in JMS's run, Spider-Man's interactions with Doctor Strange were great. Um, having those two characters together underscored the characteristics of both characters. Spider-Man was sort of at a loss in like the magical world because he's more of an everyman, doesn't deal with this stuff. But Doc- And Doctor Strange is grandiose and enigmatic, but he wants to help. And um, I-, I do think the appointment with Deathline was really funny. Another funny scene with Spider-Man and Doctor Strange is there's a series of panels where Spider-Man's sitting in a chair in Doctor Strange's house, but in one of the panels, he's not in the chair, and you just see a flushing toilet sound effect in the background. Um, I don't know why, but that was funny to me. Um <laughs> He went to nice. the bathroom. Like, now I think about it, that's not funny. But it, it worked for me if, at the if, time. If, like, if Doctor good, Strange hurt Spidey in the can and out of the the bathroom went doom, doom, doom. It was good comedic timing, I guess. But, you know, I mean, I, overall, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people complain that that run had too much magical elements in it and it wasn't really Spider-Man, but... You know, Spider-Man's a versatile character, and you can have all kinds of stories with him. And JMS wrote Doctor Strange just fine, so no complaints. Cool. Uh, Next one from Donovan. How did he know he wouldn't be on the show at this point, anyway? uh, (laughs) With the message board. His his college graduate asks us, uh, Chris, you get another one. Okay. What What is your opinion? Are the major pros and cons that take... It take you away from Dan Slott's amazing run. How do you compare it to the brand new day era with the web heads and the brain thrust? Well, I think with Dan Slott, the the best thing I could say about him is that you're you know you're gonna get something that at least you know is a solid attempt at you know a big wacky adventure. You know we we've just had Spider Man in space and Spider Man fighting in the desert by a factory run by robots and Spider-Man time traveling. So it's going to be comic booky if that's a valid adjective. Um, and if you can accept that sort of silly Saturday morning cartoon type feel, then it's not a bad run. Um, the con of his run is that he doesn't really have much more to offer then silly cartoony type stories. I think Spider-Man is can be a very thoughtful character, very um, introspective, and there are quieter moments. He has nuanced relationships. There are emotional moments. Uh, I think in a recent podcast, it was George who was talking about the way JMS handled Aunt May and how JMS actually had her and Peter confront the issue of Peter's secret and didn't cop out on the, the the difficulties that caused, but 
It also sort of showed Aunt May's inner strength. And I don't think Dan Slott has shown that he's capable of writing something so complex or nuanced. Um, when, when you read Dan Slott writing Spider-Man's thoughts, it sounds like Spider-Man is yelling, like, oh, my God, this is the best day of my life. I'm working at this, like, totally awesome science lab, and now I'm macking on this girl, and no one dies. And, like, <laughs> he's and he's always trying too hard to be funny. Um, yeah. So I don't think I, – I think he could improve upon being a subtle writer and try to add more thoughtfulness to his stories. Um, but – the other part of Don's question is how it compares to Brand New Day. And I think it's much better in the sense that you know what you're going to get week after week. But with Brand New Day, the quality was all over the map because there were so many different writers and artists. And so it was kind of like a box of chocolate. You might you might get a decent story, but then again, you might get Shed or you know, little girl Craven or, you know, Peter barfing in his mask because a bum lady tried to kiss her <laughs> with her, like, rotten teeth. Like, yeah. you don't know. It, it, it could, you could just be reading the worst thing ever or something that's okay. And I prefer to have a little bit more reliability. So I think Dan... Some consistency, yeah. You know, uh, Dan's oh, a step in the right direction. I think another... One more factor, I'll, I'll, I'll cut this off soon, but I, I think going through one more day in Brand New Day sort of depleted my enthusiasm for the Spider-Man franchise. So maybe why I'm more accepting of Dan Slott's run is that I no longer like care enough to feel really angry when it's mediocre. Yeah, that's almost as bad. That's almost worse than going one way or the other. It's not caring. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. You know? uh, that's that's kind of uh... anyway. Jr. Which Star Trek actor from the classic series and/or the next generation would you care to see play Norman Osborn for any reason? Two, be it legitimate acting chops or for the lols. Okay, what does the lols mean? I assume that's an acronym for that's some kind of text talk. But I know it's, LOL it's... is laugh out loud. But what's lols? What does lols mean? That just means for the funnier. Is it like for the shit? You know, like George Brayman the... was. I'm sorry. No, no, I was about Jordan to say, go ahead. No, go ahead, Jr. I was going to say, does that mean for shits and grins to the train wreck value? Is that what L-U-L-Z means? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh, okay. We're going we're gonna to look up lulls. The okay, what, what were you saying, Zach? Uh, I was going to say, George, if George Raymond was here, he'd be laughing at both of you, because when I asked what the lulls were, you know, he's like, oh, you know, the lulls, come on. <laughs> I act like I was a dumbass, so I, I, I'm glad that I'm not a dumbass this month. But what is the lull? It's you, basically you, uh, for hilarity ensuing. Yeah. Okay. All right. There you go. Well, all right. Like, 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 why are you, well, why are you doing this for the lulls? Like, for uh, fun. Well, yeah, but but when you put it in caps, you expect it to be a, an anagram or a, an acronym for something, you know? When you see it in caps. Um, anyway. Lovely uh, ultra lens. <laughs> Congratulations, you college graduate Donovan. You stumped the old men on the panel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, back to back to his question. I don't. I really don't know how to answer his question because when you talk about the classic series or Next Generation, I mean the actors are either dead or decrepit. I mean, you know, nobody. There really isn't anybody in the right age range anymore. Uh, but if looking back, assuming they were all young and virile, uh, wow, you know. Uh, Patrick Stewart's a great actor, but he would just be completely wrong for Norman Osborn. 
Shatner is Shatner. Shatner plays Shatner. Um, <laughs> Leonard Nimoy was an actor of very limited range who lucked into the perfect part and rode it to iconic status. The reason Mirror Mirror is, I think, is such a great episode is because people realize that Spock could have been a hell of a bad guy. So Leonard as Spock as a villain would have been awesome. But the only actor, and he's the wrong ethnicity, unfortunately, Ricardo Montalban, you know, if you want an actor who can wear a suit, who, can, who looks real good cleaned up, who can be real charming and suave, and then on a dime turn into a psychopath and an utter madman, that's Montalban. I mean, and, and forgetting, forgetting, you know, I mean, Rathacon is what he's kind of most known for as Star Trek, but when you look at him in the old Space Seed episode before, you know, he spent 15 years on that planet and was off his rocker, you know, I mean, you talk about controlled lunacy and controlled madness, or maybe he wasn't lunatic or mad, you know, he, he may have been genuinely thought he was right. Um, the only actor, I think, that I would say that I saw that had the chops to pull it off was Montalban. Well, off topic a little bit, uh, Spider-Man related. What do you think of uh, Khan being almost confirmed as the villain, and Leonard Nimoy possibly coming back for the Star Trek Two? Well, you know, I, I, I was about to say I'm surprised somebody didn't ask that question. I was sitting there waiting for it. Nobody yeah. asked that. Uh, Leonard is backtracking from that, although supposedly it's been officially confirmed by Trek Movie, which is a pretty reliable source. Right. I'd love to see Leonard. I always am willing to see Leonard back. Uh, the problem is, I, I just thought he ended on a good note. Um, and the problem with the Spock character in that timeline is that since he knows so much, he's just a dangerous loose end. And as from a story point, uh, but and and Khan, if Benedict Cumberbatch is Khan, I mean, obviously that you've got the ethnicity issues. I you know. I don't know. I mean, really, it's Star Trek. It's it's J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. It's not my Star Trek. It's not classic Star Trek. Whatever happens, happens, really. Right. Uh, Brad, baby Brad, is what he says to me, Don. Uh, besides getting married and having children, what do you think would be a viable, engaging storyline for Peter and Mary Jane? Um, but taking those two off the table, I like it when Mary Jane helps him solve the puzzle. I like her as a an Alfred, if you will, to his Batman. Um, I don't like her always as a damsel in distress. I like her being proactive and helping instead of just pining, waiting for him to show up through the window again. I like her, her to help fight crime with him. That doesn't mean putting a jackpot character together. I'm talking about just a support, a best friend, etc., which he doesn't have, besides the Avengers. And <laughs> no, I just would like to add to something I've made. Mary Jane is a great exposition device. I mean, you know, I mean, it's somebody, you know, you know, Mary Jane can say, wait a minute, you know, didn't you have six arms at one time? Or didn't Dr. Octopus look like Robert Redford at one time? And, and then mm -hmm. Peter can explain that, you know, I mean, it's it. Yeah. She makes for a good exposition device. Yeah. Josh, we've discussed in past conventions the likelihood of writers ever killing off Betty Brandt, but what's a story you would like to see Betty go through? Pander to me, Marvel. Pander to me like all get-outs, you know? Like, <laughs> writer as horrible as possible so I could rant about them while Bertoni hates Betty's to the end of time. Um... Oh, and, and one thing specific that I do like is, um, and I was thinking about this earlier, when um, I was reading that issue of Venom a few months ago, or I guess it was a month ago, the one where Betty, like, shows up in Flash's apartment to, like, re-break up with him and, like, say, even though he dumped her. And I was thinking, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't imagine that scene playing out with Peter Parker and one of his girlfriends. And I think, 
I love the trashy romance dynamic of Flash and Betty, and I say, you know what, embrace that. Make them break up and get back together a thousand times and just be this dysfunctional relationship. Play that up. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Zach, what's the craziest theory you've ever heard someone say about the Clone Saga or Ben Riley in general? Oh, uh, man. Oh. You know, it's implied in the Life of Riley articles that the, the Clone Saga was made up to break Peter and Mary Jane up. Um, I disagree. I mean, if they had actually... It, it, <laughs> If they had wanted to do that from the beginning, they would have done it during the Clone Saga. Um, the way they ended up doing it was a kind of a perfect, is a happy medium. You've got Peter, Mary Jane, their story is over. Now we're going, you know, now we're having this fresh new face, you know, blonde-haired, uh, coffee shop barista uh, to be, you know, cool and hip and everything like that. But um, my, my biggest... I don't call it a theory, a most wacky theory, but my biggest thing is, like, like the Clone Saga killed Marvel. I've, I've heard some guy say that to me once, and I'm like, no. Clone Saga helped... Pro, uh, it delayed the inevitable, uh, which was Marvel yeah. declaring bankruptcy. But, it, I mean, it's, it was one of the hottest-selling tickets in, in the proverbial town. I mean, it was outselling X-Men, which Spider-Man hadn't done in years. Since the, since at least since the mid mid to late eighties, so I mean that's definitely something that it didn't kill Marvel. Now was it a game changer? Yes, but it didn't kill Marvel. Marvel killed Marvel. Uh, Ron Perlman killed Marvel. Okay, zipline second post. Thanks for acknowledging your fans. Brad, Zach, Bertoni, Chris, and JR. Hope you guys enjoy answering the questions. Number one, I looked at Anti-Venom's origin. It makes me wonder he is sort of a twin Venom or half-brother or something. He wasn't born in the same manner as Carnage or Toxin uh, via a natural reproduction. All that's, scr- and in, all that's scratching my head is that Venom, Anti-Venom is made from Venom's remains inside Eddie Brock after the symbiote separation. Chris, what do you think of that? Is the question, what is the origin of Anti-Venom? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, well, like, okay, so basically, I'm I'm confused by it too, actually, because I don't yeah. think it was ever adequately explained, or maybe it wasn't like the anti-venom versus Doctor Strange slash Mister Negative miniseries part seven I, that I just missed or something. But like, I think Eddie Brock had venom remains in his body, and then like. Mr. Negative used his like healing touch on him and that caused his body that caused his body to like generate antibodies to the venom symbiote and those antibodies formed like the anti venom suit is what I think happened. If yeah, anybody the, I mean I'll I'll jump in. I mean when you look yeah. at Venom's history, it was very difficult for them to be separated. Uh, even going back to the second Venom story um, they couldn't be separated for very long, so his body would reject it. So it's—I would think this is just a theory—that that, that with, between the, the 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 healing touch of of you know that awesome new villain that's one of our top twenty-five villains, Mister Negative, uh, <laughs> they, you know, touching Eddie, you know, triggered a reaction like like it was always inside of him, but it was the 
the trigger that that it ultimately became anti venom, which is no longer in effect now, thanks to uh, thanks True. to thanks to Spider Island. Number two, aim this with Bertoni. I think he watches Young Justice, or so do you, Zach. Is Ultimate Spider-Man ripping off Young Justice with the constant team-ups of the young generation of heroes together every episode? <laughs> well, uh, which came first, chicken or the egg? I think Young Justice came out first. Yeah. Uh, the concept of young heroes teaming up, though, isn't exclusive to to, uh, to either series. I mean. It's almost that would be like saying that Fantastic Four is a, that Avengers is a ripoff of Fantastic Four because it's a group of superheroes fighting together, you know, and bickering. This next one, I guess, is aimed at Chris too. <laughs> it's a Venom question. Am I the only one who felt Rick Remainder was very prickish when it comes to the latest Venom issue, the one where Eddie Brock, as a normal human, kills Venom, spawns Hybrid and Scream in the same issue? Too easily? Is it a slap to the fans who didn't want to see Venom and Carnage do just about everything with their powers? Well, I, I mean, I do think that um, Eddie Brock was able to kill Hybrid and Scream too easily. Cause, and I also think that um, Remender implied that Toxin's host, Patrick Mulligan, died off panel. And, and I take these as signs that Rick Remender... Um, is discarding sort of these characters a little bit too casually because they do have their fans. Um, you, you get the sense that even though he's writing Venom, he doesn't really care that much about the symbiote franchise. Um, no. Personally, my preference is that character deaths should be pretty rare and they should be permanent, and they should only be done if there's some sort of story justification. In this case, Hybrid and Scream died to make Eddie Brock look tougher and more like a threat to Flash Thompson. And I don't think they needed to waste two characters in order to accomplish that. Uh, the silver lining is that the deaths of those characters were were ambiguous. We didn't see their corpses, and um, the hybrid symbiote has already shown back up in uh, Carnage USA. So, you know, if anybody really is dying to tell a hybrid story ever again it wouldn't be yeah. too hard to just say you know he didn't really die because all you see is the symbiote sort of crumbling and for scream you just see eddie brock like lunging with a knife and like a squirt of blood but you don't see where it's coming from so who knows if they're really dead I think uh, next, next, to, next I think question is to simplify the symbiotes because there's like there was a lot of them out there and I think he's trying to go back to, like, to make Venom and Carnage more unique. That's what I assumed. Maybe. Next question is Avengers movie-related question. I'm going to alter it just a little bit. He asks, if Spider-Man were to somehow make it in with uh, the next Avengers movie on the sequel, would he be allowed on the team? Do you think – here's another question to the gang. If, if Marvel owned the Spider-Man rights, would he be in the first Avengers movie? No. 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 Really? No, okay. with, the, with if, the way they, they, they set everything up, no. Would If Marvel owned the Spider-Man rights, the movie rights, would he be in the sequel? No, it's, um, I mean, maybe as a cameo or something, but I think that Spider-Man is too big of a name. And no. with the Avengers, you want, I don't, I don't think you want, I don't, I don't think you want one character that, that, that's that much larger to the masses than, than the others. Yeah, I, I think Venom and Hulk, or Venom and Hulk, uh, Iron Man and Hulk were, were you know, kind of, Hulk was already well established. Iron Man, you know, hits, it, it just kind of hit so big and kind of started the whole thing. 
Thor and Captain America were a little bit lesser characters. So with the way they, I think they've got a pretty happy marriage of, of characters right now. They're big enough to carry their own movies, but not too big to overpower each other in the, in the, in the Avengers movies. What do, you, what do you think, JR? No, I was about to say, I don't think Spider-Man belongs on this movie Avengers team the way this particular universe is constructed. I mean, partly because, in a way, as long as you have Robert Downey Jr. doing Iron Man, you know, he's got kind of the... I mean, he's the, the, the iconoclast, the one with the quippage, the, the smart ass. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't need a Spider-Man character doing the exact same thing. So on this Avengers team is constructed, Spider-Man, other than, like they said, a cameo, Spider-Man doesn't belong on it. Brad, on the show in the past, you said the Spider-Man doesn't kill. What about Kane? What, what's, who's a clone of Peter Parker's Spider-Man? If Kane can kill, who's to say Peter can't? If the question of either of them being able to kill limited to just humans... Peter did kill Moreland, after all, before he was reborn the other. I think every human, every every man, has the ability to kill, but they don't. I think if you push Peter Parker far enough, he would. Can I, can I try? I mean, oh, sorry, yeah, go ahead. I wanted to take a crack at these questions, if I could. Yeah, yeah, hit it. I think, like, is his argument Kane is a clone of Spider-Man, so if Kane would kill, therefore Spider-Man could too, because they both guess, have the yeah. DNA? I mean... You know, identical twins have the same DNA, too, but they don't necessarily have the same personalities or make the same choices because your life experiences also shape the person you are. So since Kane and, exactly. Peter, Kane and Peter have different life experiences, they're different people. So I don't know that I really agree with that argument. Um, right. And the I, I totally agree with you that if Spider-Man is pushed far enough he does have the capacity to uh, snap and kill somebody, but I think exactly. he has to yeah. be pushed really far, like when the Kingpin had Aunt May shot, or like with Norman Osborn's mm-hmm. shenanigans. Yeah. Uh, is there any way I can collect the Spider-Man new- or the Stanley newspaper strips in trade paperback form? It's sad to see the strips no longer on the front page every day. I'm sorry I missed last week. <laughs> I've been busy. Uh, there's two trades. Three, if you can track down the rare, obscure 1980s paperback version, which pretty much reprints what you've already got. Did they, uh, did they reprint you can, uh, What? I'm sorry. Did they, did they print off the... Did they finally get those two, those two trades released? I know they were delayed yep. forever and ever. Yeah, they finally have released both trades of the Romita and Stanley uh, 1970s newspaper strips. They're still hard to read. You got to hold them like a Playboy magazine to see the centerfold. But uh, yeah, if you'd like to read them, they're available in trade. They're in hardback form. Scarlet Spider. Good. That's a lot of intro text. Let's get to the questions. Gang, what are your thoughts on unsung sidekicks such as Impulse or any other sidekicks you feel deserve more spotlight? I think it's sad that a lot of the ones like uh, have been forgotten in the DC New 52 sidekicks like Cassandra Kane or Stephanie Brown. You know, it's uh, if you weren't from the Silver Age, you know, it's like thank you for all the service that you did in the 90s when you had your own solo series. Now get lost, and we're never going to mention you again. To the gang with the 10th anniversary of the first Spider-Man film taking place the Thursday prior to me writing this. Good lord, it's been 10 years, hasn't it? Uh, it seems that this new reboot. The new thing to do is for people to bash all three Spider-Man films. Now, my question is, you think of Amazing Spider-Man bombs and is a god-awful movie. Do you think people hopping on the bandwagon that Spider-Man is a character that shouldn't be in films at all and doesn't translate well? Uh, people on the bandwagon during the Raimi days. 
Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be somebody who's going to make that statement like they should never even try and do this again. But I think they're wrong. I mean, we've we've already had like a multi or maybe just one billion dollar like Spider-Man trilogy. So you can't say that people aren't, you know, enjoying it enough to spend their money on it. Um, so I think the new movie will be a referendum more on the decision to reboot and get a new director and a new cast and the particular tone they're going for than it is a referendum on the concept of a Spider-Man film in general. Gang, I've, I'm thankful to say that I've been dating a girl for two years who is in love with the comic books. Sadly, she isn't all that knowledgeable on Spider-Man. And I've been trying to explain the history of our favorite character. She can't afford the trades, and I'm sure I'm unsure of what to give her to make her understand just what Spider-Man is as a character. I plan on showing her Amazing 33, but what about some other books besides Amazing Fantasy or 33? Can I show her to make her understand just what Spidey's about? I do the Everybody tries talking once. Uh, I know. <laughs> Listen to the podcast. <laughs> Bertone, you got the floor. Who do you like? What do you, what issues? So I said no, just listen to the podcast with her. And uh, you'd yeah. really have to know more about the girlfriend and know what kind of story she likes or, you know, what she's into. I'd say just give her a trade or something that, you know, a good Spider-Man trade paperback like Craven's Last Hunt or something. I, uh, I'll go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I would start with the, the essentials or the masterworks and just kind of work your way from there. I mean, the best way of getting into Spider-Man is to – Really, to get to go back from the beginning, uh, the artwork may put her off a little bit. I, I won't. I won't lie. I mean, once you get to what the number four, the masterwork four, or the third essentials book. I mean, it's just, it, I mean, Dicko is not everybody's cup of tea. I don't think. But uh, it, or you know, you may even try to get her into get her into Ultimate Spider-Man. I, I know you've got you know stuff that Jr. hates like the Hope Goblin, but. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it, it it does provide a good origin, at least in the first first trip. How about Amazing two twenty nine two thirty versus the Juggernaut that shows about his dedication to stopping the evil or stopping something? I think that's a pretty good one. I think these yeah. are. Oh, or, Chris, okay, I, I'm, ahead, Chris, I'm just at the the edge of my seat here. Sorry. Um, <laughs> the, I, I think I think you know your problem here is that there isn't ever just going to be one story that encapsulates everything that Spider-Man's about because so much of what he's about is the journey across, you know, the years. And, uh, and uh, you know, to be frank, like, if you hand, you know, whether it's someone's your girlfriend or anybody, if you hand them an essential volume one and say, here you go, here's a cinder block, black and white comic book, start from the 60s start here and just keep going until you get to 2012 i mean it's unrealistic i think to expect people to have that level of commitment um so it's sort of a a catch-22 you know how do you um how do you show what you like about this character with you know in a reasonable way and i think i agree with bertoni that the best thing to do is you know you know your girlfriend's taste You, you know she loves comic books so you know, from that you should get a sense of what kind she likes, and if there's a a story that you just think she'll enjoy reading, and maybe that will hook her and give her the motivation to sort of delve into the wider you know history of Spider-Man. Jr., how do you turn on women to Spider-Man? If, I was about to say if I knew that answer relative to Spider-Man or not, I'd be a billionaire. 
man, uh, I, I, I would I, I would echo a little actually kind of what Chris uh, says uh, that really you can't just give them a story that a lot of it is about the journey, but to keep it within something that uh, workable uh, essentials volume one to three. Because if you're, I mean, I know that black and white doesn't do it justice, but, you know, cost is obviously a factor, you know, that can be intimidating. Oh, God, what do I read? You know, it would cost me a fortune. Uh, Essentials 1 through 3 covers like about the first, what, 60 or so issues. Almost every character who matters to Spider-Man, bar none, I think except a handful, like Venom. They they all start there in that group. They're they're all discussed their origins. A lot of the the things that drive Spider Man, the origins of certain stories, all originate during that time period. You see the introduction of Gwen, Harry, Mary Jane. You see the gang get together in college and do that funky you know teenage thing. And you see all this angst back and forth. And I mean I think those three before Stan started when when Stan was creative and full of ideas and really excited about doing Spider-Man and he wasn't he was more interested in in creating good stories than like today's Marvel which is only interested I think really in preserving a trademark you know um I mean I, before Stan ran out of gas around X65 60 or so I think those three will do it I think that really will be a great starting point to Spider-Man uh he had a funny question what would you guys do for a Klondike bar I don't think that question's funny. I'm just kidding. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anybody? I would. We've been on here four hours. My God, we don't. We would do nothing uh, for. I, I, I would go. I would go through a drive-through to get a to get a soda uh, while I'm recording a there podcast, which is what I'm doing now. Dark card I would, king. I would yell. Oh. <laughs> you would yell. Dark card king. Second post on the message board. To the gang, are there any characters from comic books that have been gone for a while that you would like to see make a return? I know that for me, I would like to see the return of Mayday. May Parker, Spider-Girl. I agree with that. I miss her. So many characters. I mean, I I just mentioned Stephanie Brown and uh, Cassandra Cain. Uh, I mean, I could go series by series listing people. I mean, heck, even within Venom, I've talked about how they really need to bring back Shashan as Flash's physical therapist. There would be such an interesting dynamic that that would add to the series. I like the yeah, I like the original the original Micronauts uh, that Bill Mantlo did. I um, I mean the series kind of ran out of gas, or Mantlo ran out of gas, but. Uh, I like the original Micronauts, but the problem is with the licensing issues, you'll never you'll never see that particular group of characters together again. What about Rom? Never got into Rom. My brother liked Rom, but I never got into Rom. Yeah. Zach, anybody you want back? I, I want to support Cass back. I, well, I was going. It's been rally related. Uh, I would like to see the uh, just Peter and, and Harry. I'd like to see Harry and and uh, and Peter like walk into the Daily Grind and. And Harry throwing a fit because it's uh, you know stealing his, stealing his turf, or they, how, how long know. has Harry been gone? By the way, I mean it seems like a long a couple years now. It's been about a year, year and a half. Yeah. October twenty ten is is the last brand new day story, and that's the last time we've seen Harry. Yeah. Mercury or, or Chris, anybody you miss? I liked the uh, villain fusion from Paul Jenkins's run. I'm bringing him back. There you go. <laughs> Uh, Mercury, our last question. Mercury 83 from North Ireland. To the gang, uh, which Spider-Man storyline do you think would work well as a game? And why? And if non-gamers have opinions, feel free to share. Secret Wars would be an epic video game. Please make it. I got a good one. What's that? Ends of the Earth. 
But um, <laughs> but, but, but think about think about how much like a video game it is. Like you have your different levels. You have like the underwater base. You have the desert fat robot factory. You have the island, and you have your the sinister six are your bosses, and um, you have the spider armor power up, the spider glider power up. It it it's already a it's already a video game. That's epic. That's perfect. Hashtag. You want spider island the video game? Yeah, yeah, it's um, okay. it's when it was coming out last year, I kept on thinking that like this is this feels like a video game. The last chapter was even called Final Boss. Like you could just see like you know, uh, f- 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 fighting Queen as like Captain America and Venom, and then all of a sudden like there's a cutscene when she turns into Giant Queen, and that's the final level. And then the tutorial level would be like you know being Carly Cooper or an average New Yorker discovering your powers. And that's the tutorial level when you're, you know, going through and everyone's getting infected. Like, and you can play as different people: Mary Jane, Peter, Carly, uh, the Fantastic Four, and the Avengers were all there too. Zach, you're a gamer. Any video game Spider-Man stories you'd like? Uh, I'd like to see the gang war storyline collected in a video game. That'd be kind of fun, like a gang, like a like a street level urban crime, kingpin. You have Bullseye. That you know, he fought for the first time in new ways to die. Sorry. Oh, How about a Marvel game called Acts of Vengeance, where the heroes fight their villains that they're not used to fighting? Ooh. How about that one? Ooh. That sounds it's, pretty cool. I think. I, I'm twirling my mustache now. <laughs> Frederick Froswell style. Uh, Jr. Any video games you'd like your son to beat in two minutes? <laughs> you know, I, I was actually going to say the uh, my one of my old favorites from Spectacular, the Al Octopus War, because you Ooh, know yeah. at the end Doc Ock would be the final boss and he's going to do the detonate the nuclear bomb and you know along yeah. the way you've got to beat Kingpin and you've got to because Kingpin was in it you know and you've got to beat the Owl you know and and Black Cat's in it she could be a playable character but to be absolutely yeah. to be absolutely honest Chris's <laughs> idea. Of the ends of the earth, I mean, he uh, that actually nails it because uh, uh, the yep. different scenarios, like you know, the 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 story I just described, all happens in New York, but you know, but uh, actually his idea is much better because you've got different, all kind of different uh, playing areas and stuff. Yeah. All right, that's the last of the message board questions. Final thoughts, Chris. What's your What do you want to say before we wrap the show up, sir? Goodbye. <laughs> I don't know. After all these hours. Yeah. You did great as usual, sir. Thanks. Uh Bertoni, how many how many uh smoothies have been made since you've been there? <laughs> Too many. My ears are ringing. Do not podcast Crap. in Starbucks. <laughs> Frappuccino. All right, Zach, thank you for sticking around for most of the show. You're only out an hour and a half of it, though. <laughs> yeah, well, I make my introduction and then take my leave subsequently right after. There you go. I went out with a girl like that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it's good to be here. All right. Thank you, sir. Uh, JR, final thoughts, sir. Uh, I've, I've Actually, my uh, my mouth is sore from my teeth being in it this long. I've got to take my teeth out and rest for a while. So there you go. I'll see you. After this, I'm off to go see the Avengers. Don't oh, okay. Uh, Brad, stay. Not just past. There's two scenes after the credits. Two yeah. scenes. Yeah. Okay, not just one, two. There's well, one there, during. There, yeah. 
Yeah. So is there, like, the movie ends, credits roll, and then, like, two minutes in, uh, one pops up, and then one pops up after? Yeah. Does that work? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yes, it's like, it's like remember in uh, Green Lantern when they kind of had a scene, like, they had to start rolling the credits, and then the Sinestro... Dude, with Green Lantern, I just gave the hell up when I saw the first credit. I'm like, I'm out of here, goddamn. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah they, uh, they do, like, a cut scene, like, in, inside the credits, and then they have, like, one that's filmed, uh, that was, like, filmed, like, three weeks ago. That's like right. the scene right after like the credits finish rolling. So I'm, look, I'm looking forward to it. And the second post credit scene is like really essential. It sets up like what the next six Marvel movies are going to be. And uh, listen to the dialogue because it's it's riveting stuff. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are hilarious. Thank you for being on this long. We had a good show as usual. I appreciate it. Again, congrats to Don for being a college grad. And he's now partying with his grandma right now. So uh, <laughs> that's not a joke, folks. He really is. He's awesome. Every day they're circling. Right. Uh, <laughs> peace out. All right, that's a wrap. See ya. Bye. That's a wrap. I'm off to pee. You guys have a good night. I'll talk to you all later. Enjoy bye. Avengers. I will, buddy. Later. Right, bye. And that wraps up this episode. Before we go, I want to give another shout out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. Another example of their great prices is on the Sensational Spider-Man number 33.1. Marvel is continuing the numbering of this classic series with a .1 issue. Tom DeFalco is writing this one, and the cover price is $2.99. Mail order has it for just a buck eighty-five, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the Spider-Man Crawlspace.com. Yeah.